Hey friends, this is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie podcast, Cheekcast, episode 73. I'm so excited because I'm on with Petra Strand. She is a friend, and we know each other from yoga community, and we met through Friends of Friends many, many years ago, and we recently reconnected, I would say recently within the last less than a year, perhaps, um, via good old-fashioned Facebook, and I brought her on because she's an amazing human, and I just wanted you all to hear more of her story. So, Petra, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me on. Totally. So, we, I was thinking, we were, I asked Petra if she would come on the podcast. I was like, I have a social justice podcast, and she was like, I don't really know that much about stuff and I was like oh my gosh whatever like looking at her feed on social media she's very well you know um well abreast um in terms of things that are going on around us um but I was always struck by your empathy and thoughtfulness in considering kind of what's happening and whenever I've posted impassioned posts, you've always um, encouraged me and supported me. And so I really appreciate your kind of calm in the sense, like in the midst of the storm of what's going on around us. Um, That's definitely has not gone without notice. And so Petra, go ahead and introduce yourself to listeners um, briefly, and then we'll kind of get into more of who you are. Okay. Let me see. Where do I begin? Um, Well, the first thing that I know about myself is that I am a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was 14. I dedicated my life to Christ when I was 14 years old, Um, and I've been on that path since then um i ended up going into seminary and entering into ordained ministry and i pastored three churches for the past well 25 years uh and right now i'm not um serving a church in the during the course of my last ministry I came out to my congregation and during the last year when I was there in a Presbyterian congregation, I came out as transgender. Um, that was a um, very interesting time for all of us. Um, it was actually my spiritual journey that led me to um, that point and to my transitioning to my, what I feel is my real identity sure yeah and i knew you before and so you know making the connection um at a later point where the divine allowed our past to cross has been a beautiful thing just because i'm so appreciative and grateful that you are more outwardly showing who you are you know, and who you've always been, um, and being true to who, to yourself, you know, because that is incredibly important. So how was that experience, um, 
you said that it was your Christian journey that led you to make this discovery. What were you doing along the path that kind of led you to making the choice to come out to your congregation? Hmm. You're talking about a long path. I, um, so have, having been someone who um, was dealing with gender dysphoria all my life and didn't have a name for it, didn't know what it was, um, <clears throat> it was something that I also wrestled with. Um, well, I wrestled with it in, in every aspect of my life. Um, probably it turned me inward towards spirituality as a way of kind of a refuge from um, the outward confusion and um, difficulty of, of being, not being in your, or not and became and minister I became less and less concerned with doctrine per se and more and more concerned with Christ as I preached um, of course I, I have never I have never become less concerned about doctrine but I'm talking about where my attention was sure but my focus was on Christ in the Gospels and how that affected me spiritually as I prepared sermons week after week um, for for um, a number of years um, was in how much Jesus recalls us back to us to who we are before God rather than who we are in the sight of people who we are in the sight of the divine is what matters sure not um, not what other people expect not what other people want not our attempts to try to win their approval so that continually led me to this self-questioning uh, and just becoming more and more true to myself. Who am I? It's kind of a Francis of Assisi's questions when he, was, when he would pray, someone overheard him praying and he kept asking the divine, who are you and who am I? <laughs> again and again. And I think in a lot of ways that's what prayer is. Who are you? And who am I? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it led me eventually to uh, facing my denials and just coming to terms with who I am in the sight of God, who I am before God, who I am as God m made me. And um, um, that led me to recognize my, that you know, I am transgender and that um, the only way I can I mean, once I knew that, the only way I could maintain my integrity was to just be outwardly who I was inwardly. Um, so that was kind of what was going on inside of me as I um, came to that point of decision um, in December of 2013. Sure. And how were people supportive the people in your lives i listened to 
kind of like a short podcast episode where you were interviewed and some were, some weren't, it sounds like. Um, what about your inner circle and then congre uh, congregants? So I'm a member of the Order of Ecumenical Franciscans. And when I came out to them, they were immediately very supportive. They, um, I didn't know what to expect. And um, I went to a, a regional meeting and um, they, they were shocked. And then they went around and as we shared about our lives, they spent a, an inordinate, inordinate amount of time on me. And each of them went around and, and told me how um, they thought I was so much more alive, so much more um, bright and filling the room with my presence, which wasn't the case before where I kind of kept myself withdrawn. Um, and then they provided support along the way. I mean, my first bag of new clothes came from them. Um, anyway, then I came out, um, I came out, well, I didn't come out to the store where I was working part-time at first, um, but one of my coworkers just in during break, she just asked me, um, are you transgender? <laughs> and I, I said, yes. And then I, um, and then we, um, she began to encourage me to, to come out. And so um, when I felt ready, I talked, to the management and then they were very supportive. Um, I chose a day and when the day occurred, uh, the entire rest of the, um, the, the staff, the, the management and the sales staff um, were very, very supportive and um, always were careful to use the right pronouns and so on. And uh, it took a while to get, for me to get comfortable with my presentation um but that was you know so that was where it, where i really came out to the public um i hadn't come out to all the public yet because i hadn't come out to the church yet because i i expected the most difficulty to come from the church as and we all know why sure <laughs> um <clears throat> so i decided to come come out to them after uh, Easter, so as not to disrupt our, our worship. And so I sent a letter at the beginning of the week to the entire congregation and um, asked to have a meeting with them after, after our worship in the morning. And I met with, a, there were two congregations, a, a Latino, a Spanish-speaking congregation and an English-speaking congregation. And I met with the Spanish-speaking congregation first um, to talk about what was in the letter and to ask for their, their feedback. And then I met in the, later in the evening with um, the English-speaking congregation. Um, so the um, Spanish-speaking congregation had a lot of difficulty with, my, with what I had said. It, to them, it was very confusing. Um, they, um, they said a lot of things that were very hurtful, um, but they were trying to come to terms with what I had told them. Um, I guess the point is that I survived that hour. <laughs> and um, one of my 
Franciscan brothers came out to join me for the um, at, at that point, and then and then in the we went out to lunch, and then in the e later in the early evening we I met with the English congregation, and they were all very supportive. Um, they they also went around one by one and 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 spoke their mind, and they were um, they said every one of them said things that were affirming. Um, some of them were, it was was kind of funny, like what took you so long, and you know we're not really surprised, and some other um, but they also said things like you know you've you've helped us now how can we help you sure. um, and they continued to this day to be supportive that's awesome yeah it I think sometimes um, I was reading one of my favorite authors is John Pavlovitz and mm -hmm. He was just talking about how the church has done a disservice to LGBTQ community um, in particular, and that sometimes while a person is coming to terms on their own with who they are, and then they come out, the family or loved ones or friends are unable to come alongside because they're just getting the information at that point mm -hmm. and they haven't had the time to process. And I do see that side. And I also see um, that like for me, what we're, one of the things we talked about during the pre-call um, prior to hitting record was about um, intersectionality of our identities mm -hmm. and how we're not just one thing all the way through we're a combination of you know our gender um yes. our the color of our skin and you know religious affiliation so so many things and <laughs> when we're not taking the time to stand in agreement with other people or empathize or be there as part of community with people, we lose that sense or that touch with humanity, I believe. Right. Which can be. So it's very. Go ahead. So empathy and being able to empathize with someone who is different than you is very important. I think one of the most difficult thing, things for um, people with a gay or lesbian um, sexual orientation is that other people, since they have not experienced it, they cannot imagine that someone else experiences life differently than they do. Totally. And it's even more so for a transgender person. that Someone's inner experience does not correspond to yours. Um, that's the way it is. <laughs> But totally. for a lot of people, it's very difficult to make that jump. Yeah. They, they can put themselves in the other shoes and then they imagine that, nope, that's not working. And it's like, well, no, because you're not the same person. Totally. Um, I think that's true, too, for, you know, people who don't identify with binary gender. Um, and also, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. for, you know, for me, one thing I noticed is that I have to take a look at why isn't someone's experience enough? If you Petra tell me this is how I feel, 
if I really care about you, like I say I do, I think the onus is on me to just believe that what you're saying is accurate for you, right? It doesn't have to become like a debate, nor should it, because can I really debate how you feel? I can't. That sounds right. ludicrous, right? And so if you're telling me, Chidima, this is a problem, or I'm struggling in this arena, or this is how I feel, or this is how I felt since I was born, you know, and I was born as a male, but that's not how I feel. Um, I've had this conversation with some friends and I'm like, but that's how they say they feel. Like that's, that's who they are. <laughs> like I, I don't know what else to say because to me, this is not even up for debate. Like I don't even know yeah. what else to say, you know? So it's like, well, some people seem to want to just hold other people up to uh, a model of conformity you know you need to act this way other people i think it's a, the trouble is they want they they feel they need to imagine be able to imagine what the other person is feeling and if they can't imagine it then the other person's experience is not valid right which we've seen um, all over the place with everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i think you know as we mature we begin to realize that the world is much bigger than our own little um, sphere, pers sphere, <laughs> our perspective, you know, that our, that our world is much smaller than the world of everybody. And it's, you know, we don't see what other people see. We don't experience what other people experience and we don't know where they're coming from. I think um, what also helps is for people to, trust other people's motives exactly you, know, you may not understand their reasons but you but it, you know do they have good intentions um what are their motives and if we can't grasp if we're not willing to grant that and we always assume we know what their motives were and they're evil <laughs> you know we can't get anywhere so true very very true so petra i think that i kind of already told you well i never tell my guests anything but i always ask them and i hope that they give me the right answer that they'll come back again <laughs> for another conversation since this one was so short and sweet um thank you so much for sharing is there anything else that you'd like to leave with listeners before we kind of wrap up this episode um, now I know there's no assumption about your listeners' um, religious beliefs, but for those who who are Christian, I um, I would just like to insist that um, my own relationship with our Lord Jesus has has not been um, dampened or or uh, tarnished in any way that I. I uh, feel closer to Jesus than I ever have. Um, now, as I know, it doesn't mean much to non-Christians, but um, I, f I don't feel that my being who I am has compromised who I am as a Christian. Being who I am in my gender it compromises my faith. It hasn't. It's made everything much better. 
That's awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it, and I'm sure listeners will as well. So thank you again for being on the podcast. Thank you, Chidama. So let's read, we're going to read a story related to one of my favorite topics, Saka. So it appears to be a young man, and it says, I was just a year old when my family came from Ecuador. My parents were always open with me about it, even from a young age. I was lucky that way. A lot of undocumented kids don't find out the truth until they're much older. Their parents never tell them because they want them to feel normal. So the kids grow up thinking that they're 100% American. Then they try to study abroad or apply to colleges and they find out they don't have the papers and it hits them hard. It's like they've got to figure themselves out all over again. They learn that they aren't a part of the culture they grew up in and they start to feel a sense of shame. Nobody ever talks about it. They're too afraid. I certainly never told anyone. That's why DACA was so interesting. It gave us the slightest amount of safety. People started to step out of the shadows and say, I'm here. We began to find each other. Now there's a community and we're speaking out together. We grew up in this culture. We grew up with the same kids as everyone else. This is our home. So thank you, friends, for listening, for supporting. Rate, review, like, share, subscribe to this podcast. I definitely appreciate your love and light. I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where when you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, there's only one of us. Have a gratitude-filled day. My name is Chidima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Cheat Cast, Episode 73. Namaste, friends.